Okay, we're going to be in Leviticus 2, which is on page 81 in the Black Bibles in the chairs around you. Uh, as you're turning there, I'm going to pray briefly. Father, we pray this morning that you would illumine your word to our hearts through your Holy Spirit, that we might glorify your name through the exaltation of your Son. We pray in his name. Amen. I want to begin by asking a few questions. Have you ever given somebody a thank you card? We, well, mostly Amanda, gave out a lot of thank you cards after our wedding for the gifts that we received. A thank you card is a way of paying tribute. It's a gift that is given that demonstrates gratitude towards someone. Here's one. Do you pay taxes? I hope so. Taxes are also a form of tribute. Taxes are a mandatory gift given as an act and a sign of submission to the governing authorities. How about this? Have you ever given to a charitable cause? If you haven't given to a charitable cause, you probably know somebody who has given to a charitable cause. Giving to one of these charitable causes is a form of paying tribute. You are expressing your allegiance or loyalty to that cause by giving them from your own resources. Have you ever been to a retirement or a graduation party? I'm sure that many of us have. These parties are also a form of tribute. They are a gift in the form of a social gathering that is meant to show honor to an individual for a specific accomplishment. Oops. Have you ever sold or known someone who has sold something in somebody else's store? Now, this one might be a little... Uh, not as familiar, Amanda's got a cousin who loves to work with old growth redwood. Uh, where we grew up in the north coast of California, there's all kinds of beautiful redwood trees. Uh, and her cousin Jacob would make these bowls or picture frames, and then he would take them to somebody else's shop. They would let him sell his stuff in their shop, and then he would give them a percentage of what it was sold for, and that's called consignment. Consignment is also a form of tribute. By giving the shop owner a gift, the, a portion of the sale price, you are demonstrating your dependence on them for your ability to sell your goods. Now, we've all probably heard of big businesses or wealthy people making political contributions. A political contribution is also a form of tribute. Now, this is a form of tribute, though, as a request to be remembered. When somebody gives a large donation to a political campaign, what they're doing is they're asking to be remembered by that person if or when they ascend to that office. And so then a tribute is a gift that is given as a sign of gratitude or servanthood or allegiance or honor or dependence or it could be a request to be remembered or as we're going to see today, it could be all of the above. Leviticus chapter 2 is all about the tribute offering. Leviticus chapter 2 is all about worshipers bringing to God gifts as a sign of their gratitude towards God, their servanthood to God, their allegiance with God. It's gifts brought to honor God, to demonstrate their absolute dependence on God, and a gift brought as a request to be remembered by God. Now, before we read Leviticus chapter 2, uh, I want us to notice something, and this we saw last week's a similar phenomenon, but 
As you read through Leviticus chapter 2, you're going to come across this word grain offering over and over and over again. The English translations have named the offering grain offering based on the elements that were offered rather than the literal translation of the word that we have. The Hebrew word is minha, and what that means is a minha was a, a gift, a gift of tribute given to somebody. And so as you're reading through your Bible, Leviticus 2, maybe places in Deuteronomy, you come across this term grain offering. Remember that it was offered with grain, but the purpose of the offering was a gift of tribute. With that in mind, let's read through Leviticus chapter 2. Again, this can be found on page 81 of the black Bibles in the chairs around you. Leviticus chapter 2. When anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour. He shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it and bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest. And he shall take from it a handful of the fine flour and oil with all its frankincense and the priest shall burn this as its memorial portion on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offering. When you bring a grain offering baked in the oven as an offering, it shall be unleavened loaves of fine flour mixed with oil or unleavened wafers smeared with oil. And if your offering is a grain offering baked on a griddle, it shall be of fine flour unleavened mixed with oil. You shall break it and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. And if your offering is a grain offering cooked in a pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. And you shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord. And when it is presented to the priest, he shall bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take from the grain offering its memorial portion and burn this on the altar, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord, but the rest of the grain shall be for Aaron and for his sons. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offerings. No grain offering that you bring to the Lord shall be made with leaven, for you shall burn no leaven nor any honey as a food offering to the Lord. As an offering of first fruits, you may bring them to the Lord, but they shall not be offered on the altar for a pleasing aroma." You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. If you offer a grain offering to the Lord, you shall offer for the grain offering of your first fruits, fresh ears roasted with fire, crushed new grain, and you shall put oil on it and lay frankincense on it. It is a grain offering. The priest shall burn it. The, the priest shall burn as its memorial portion some of the crushed grain and some of the oil with all of its frankincense. It is a food offering to the Lord. Amen. Now I don't know when the last time was that you sat down and read through the entire chap second chapter of Leviticus. Uh, maybe you're going through a Bible reading plan. Maybe uh, you're not. As Phil mentioned before, Leviticus tends to be the Bible reading plan killer. Um, but 
we want to now start to look into what's going on here with Leviticus 2. But before we do that, I want us to remember something that we heard last week. I want us to remember that last week, Phil had talked to us about what he called the procedural order or the order of worship, like the worship service that the Israelites would have gone through. And so the order that we have these offerings told to us in Leviticus is a little different than the order that they would have been offered. And so we heard last week that the first thing that would have actually been offered in the order of worship was an offering for sin. Sin had to be dealt with. There was a sin offering through blood that was made first. And then you would have had the ascension offering that we heard about last week, coupled together with this tribute offering, followed by offerings that were meant to bring about communion and fellowship, where the the worshiper would then partake of the food and also burn part of it on the altar so that God could then partake of the food. All of this, this entire movement of the worship service was moving towards that end, fellowship with God. Now the tribute offering that we're going to hear about today is found right in the middle. It happens after the sin offering, after sin is dealt with, but it happens before communion takes place. And that brings us to our big idea for this week. Our big idea is simply this. In order to experience fellowship with God, we must give tribute to God. In order to experience fellowship with God, we must give tribute to God. Now with that in mind, we want to look at some aspects and implications of the tribute offering in the book of Leviticus chapter 2. The first thing that we want to notice is this. Tribute involves preparation and work. Look at Leviticus chapter 2 verse 1. When anyone brings a grain offering as an offering to the Lord, he shall his offering shall be of fine flour. Now, it might be easy to read over this, but one thing that we need to notice is that it takes some work to get from grain to fine flour. Before you can have flour, that grain has to, has to be grown, the, the ground has to be tilled, the t- soil has to be worked. The grain then has to be harvested out of the head of grain. Uh, the chaff has to be done away with, and then that grain has to be milled into a fine flour. Later in verses 4 through 7, we're going to see that these offerings were oftentimes also baked. And what's interesting is this, is that when you're making this offering, this tribute offering to God, if you're not going to bake the offering, which is to say, if there is going to be one of the steps of preparation and work that are removed from the offering, then frankincense is offered. Now, frankincense wasn't something that was natural to the area. It was imported, which meant that it was costly. And so what do we see here? We see that if there is this step of preparation, a step of work that is removed from this tribute offering to God, then it's going to cost you something. And I think that's there to remind us. God is trying to help us to see that that tribute to God should involve work. It should involve preparation. And the simple reason is this. God is worthy of our work and our preparation. We see here that the Israelites 
had a ritual that they would do over and over and over again with this tribute offering of grain to God that instilled in them through these embodied practices as they harvested and cleaned the grain and then they milled the grain and then they baked these cakes and offered them as a tribute to God, we see this repeated ritualized activity that would remind them that God is worthy of their work and their preparation. Loved ones, our service to God must involve effort also. Worship involves preparation. Now let me get real practical with some of us, and I know if you have kids, you probably have experienced this. But let me ask us, are we preparing on Saturday night for church on Sunday morning? Are we getting things ready? I know oftentimes in our house, we'll try to have the clothes laid out and the Bibles at the door. And and you know what happens when we don't have preparation on Saturday night? You get the Sunday morning scramble, don't you? You're scrambling around, you're trying to get stuff ready, and, and then all of a sudden you're getting frustrated, and so you're hollering at this person or you're hollering at that person. And by the time you get to church, you're probably three quarters of the way through the sermon before you can really start to hear the word of God. Your ability to sing praises to God is hindered. Why? Because we haven't spent time in preparation and working for worship. Our service to God must involve effort and preparation. The next thing that we want to see in this, and this is one I think it's good to point out because if you noticed when we were reading Leviticus chapter 2, that a portion of this offering ends up with Aaron and the priests. But don't miss this. This tribute offering is to God and for God, wholly and completely to God and for God. Look at Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 3. But the rest of the grain offering shall be for Aaron and his sons. Then notice this. It is a most holy part of the Lord's food offering. And then I'm going to have you turn just one page over in your Bible. Uh, Two pages, pardon me. Two pages over in your Bible. In Leviticus chapter 6, what we see are instructions for the priests about all of these various offerings. And so then, as we come to Leviticus chapter 2, and, or I mean, ch- pardon me, chapter 6, and we look down at verse 16, we're going to have some instructions to the priests about this tribute, grain offering. And we read this. And the rest of it, Aaron and his sons shall eat. The rest of the offering that wasn't burned on the altar, it shall be eaten unleavened in a holy place. In the court of the tent of meeting, they shall eat it. Verse 17, it shall not be baked with leaven. I have given it as their portion, now here we go, of my food offering. It is a thing most holy. So do you see the progression? The worshiper comes with this tribute offering that they have prepared, and they have prepared it completely and solely for God. They offer it now. They give it to the priests as a tribute completely to God. And then God takes of what has been given completely to him, and he then feeds the priests through it. But did you notice what it said in Leviticus 6? That this was God's gift to the priest. And so the tribute offering for the worshiper was a offering completely offered to God alone. And then it's through this that God then gives it to his priests as food. Why is that important? Because it's no different today. It is God who cares for his church. In the same way that God cared for his priesthood through the offerings that were given to him, God cares for his church through our offerings that should be completely and wholly given to God. 
This is a very good way to understand the principle for paying pastors and those set apart for full-time vocational ministry. Today, as you were giving your offering, I hope that it was an offering that you were giving as an act of tribute to God. You were giving it to Him wholly for God, and then realizing that from what is God's, He then distributes out to His church. And this is how we pay our pastors. We can actually see the same thing worked out in the way that the body's cared for. We're not going to turn there because we don't have time. But in the book of Acts, chapter 4, we have this insightful look into the early church. And one of the things we see is that it said that the, the believers were coming together and none of them had any need because they were selling off their goods. Once they sold their goods, this is what they did. They came and they took the proceeds and they laid it at the feet of the apostles. God's authorized apostolic authorities. This was a sign that they were giving the proceeds completely to God. And then once those were given completely to God, the apostles would then distribute as there were needs. And that was how God cared for his church. And so when you give, as we pass the offering around, loved ones, what we should be doing is we should be saying to ourselves, God, I am giving this wholly and completely to you. And it is a sign of tribute and honor to you. The next thing we see is that tribute is also a request for remembrance. Look at Leviticus chapter 2 and verse 2. We're also going to see this in, in verse 9 and in verse 16. Verse 2 says this, And bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he shall take from it a handful of fine flour and oil with all its frankincense, and the priest shall burn this as a memorial portion on the altar. We see it again in verse 9 and then in verse 16. What I want us to do now, though, is to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 26. Now, this was our Old Testament reading this morning. That, again, is on page 167 in your Bibles. Deuteronomy chapter 26. We're going to read verse 15. But if you remember what we heard this morning, uh, we read in Leviticus that the grain offering could also be an offering of first fruits to God. And so Deuteronomy chapter 26 talks about this offering of first fruits. That is, this would have been an offering made from the very first grain that would have come up. And once the worshiper brings this and offers it before God and they confess to God their covenant loyalty to him, in verse 15, we hear that the worshiper is supposed to say this to God. Look down from your holy habitation, from heaven, and bless your people Israel and the ground that you have given us as you swore to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey. The worshiper pleads with God to look down from his holy habitation, which is to say that the worshiper pleads with God to be remembered. God, remember us. This is why we read in the Bible, remember your people. There are songs that convey the same message. This is a plea from the worshiper to be remembered by God. Now, is this because God is forgetful? Most of you are thinking, I hope not. The answer is absolutely not. So then why would we plead with God? And let me say this. Why should we repeatedly, repeatedly plead with God to be remembered? Not because God may forget us but because it is unhealthy for us to presume upon God's grace. To request to be remembered by God 
is to understand grace as grace and not a debt owed to us. When we come to God and we say, God, look down from your holy habitation and remember your people, in that moment we understand that God's remembering us is a gracious gift to us and we understand grace as grace. How many of us, I wonder, how many of us think that if we go to church and read our Bibles, then God must bless us. God will bless us. Somehow we seem to think, and and it may not be a conscious thought. It just may be one of those things that has subconsciously been woven into us that if I do this and do that, then God must do this. This is why, loved ones, we must get in the rhythm, or let me say this, we must structure rituals in our life of asking God to remember his people. Maybe this is something that you could work into a prayer before your meals. Most of us, I know, probably pray before we eat, and if that's the the most structured time of your prayer life, then by all means, begin to request that God would remember his people based on his covenant, mercies, and grace. The next thing that we want to see in our passage is that a tribute, tribute offering is a sign of honor, servanthood, and allegiance to God. I'm turning back now to Leviticus chapter 2. If we look at Leviticus 2.13, this is what we read. You shall season all of your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. There's something in there that is the key point of that verse. I'm sure you all caught it. Salt is mentioned three times in one verse, which clues us into something. That's important to God. That's important to the author who wrote this. He wants us to understand something. So what's going on with salt? Well, salt salt was to be added to all of the various tribute offerings to God because salt represented the covenantal relationship between God and his people. Gordon Wenham, in his commentary on Leviticus, says this. In the Old Testament, salt is connected with covenants on two occasions. And in both, a covenant of salt means an eternal covenant. Now, if you wanted to look those up, that's Numbers 18, verse 19, and 2 Chronicles 13, verse 15. Wenham continues, Salt was something that could not be destroyed by fire or time or any other means in antiquity. Salt couldn't be destroyed. And so to add salt to this and and to use salt to represent the covenant was telling the people something, that this was an eternal relationship, an ongoing relationship, and salt would preserve something and keep it so that it would not cease. This actually also informs our understanding of why it was that leaven and honey, probably better actually understood as just the fruit from the nectar, or the nectar, pardon me, of the fruits, but... Why leaven and honey were forbidden in these offerings? Because they would do the opposite effect. Leaven and honey were both agents of fermentation, which, if left unchecked, would bring about decay and would would shorten the life of whatever was offered. And so the salt, then, is a way of preserving, ongoing, ongoing. Wenham continues, to add salt to the offering was a reminder That the worshiper was in an eternal, covenantal relationship with his God. This meant that God would never forsake him. And also, that the worshiper had a perpetual duty to uphold and keep the covenant law. 
To offer a tribute to God with salt was to honor God, to honor God as the Lord of the covenant, to show allegiance to God in his covenantal instruction in the law, and to pledge oneself to covenantal servanthood to God. Now, this is something, loved ones, that's important for us to understand. Because we sit on this side of the cross, but we have not found ourselves removed from a covenantal relationship with God, have we? When Jesus comes, he says that he is ushering in the new covenant in his blood, and so we still relate to God in a covenantal relationship. The next thing that we want to notice is that the tribute offering was a sign of dependence and gratitude towards God. It was a sign of dependence and gratitude towards God. Now, this is especially brought out in this offering of the first fruits. Now remember, a grain offering, a tribute offering could be brought to God from the first fruits of the harvest. And again, we saw this in Deuteronomy chapter 26. I'm going to turn there and just read from verses 1 and 2. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 and 2. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first fruits. Of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that your Lord, the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. Now, I don't know if you are familiar with the Old Testament that much, but what was going to happen is that God was going to deliver his people into the land of Canaan, and when they got there, they weren't going to have to work the ground or work the soil or do any of this for the harvest because it would have been worked by the people. And so God was going to give them this land, and they were going to reap what they did not labor for. God was giving it to them, and so then they're called here to make a tribute offering of the first fruits. And when they did that, what they were doing is they were bringing this offering to God and they were saying, God, I am offering this as a tribute of dependence and gratitude because apart from you, none of this would be possible. We have done nothing for this. And so we offer this to you with thankful hearts and absolutely in a posture of dependence on you. Paul picks this up In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7, when Paul says this, What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Everything that any one of us have is a gift from God. What do you have that you did not receive, Paul says. But here's the problem. We are so wired, whether it's just because of the inherent sinful nature of us or the culture around us, to think of what we have as our own, to think of our abilities, our time, and our money as our own. And this leads us to all kinds of idolatry, doesn't it? We are so, so prone to to make idols in our life. We can oftentimes put our family before God, and we see this by the way that we we devote our money to things in our family that we might want, but we don't necessarily need. We see this with the way that we use our time. We can make work an idol, can't we? 
before God because we tend to think that our abilities are our own. And so because they're my own, then I will take my abilities and I will do with them whatever I want. Do I want to make some more money? I'll go to work. Do I want to find fulfillment in my job? Then I'll do that. Remember what Paul says, what do you have that you did not receive? The abilities that you have, the special and unique giftedness that you have, God has given to you. And what we're called to do is to render it back to God as a tribute of offering, of dependence on God, and of gratitude towards God. Your money, your time, your abilities you have received from God, and they are to be offered back to God to show your dependence on God. And so, as we recap what we've seen here in Leviticus chapter 2, we see that the tribute offering was oftentimes offered up with the ascension offering, and it was wholly dedicated to God. It was a gift to God, and it came before fellowship with God. The whole offering was God's. And this teaches us something. That if we are going to experience fellowship with God, we must render tribute to God. And I think so many of us so often want that fellowship with God. We sing about it, we talk about it, and we have lost sight of the fact that we are not offering tribute well to God. I'll say this, your fellowship with God, the experience of your fellowship with God will be hindered when your tribute is half-hearted. The way you experience fellowship with God will be hindered if your tribute is half-hearted. Friends, we have been created for fellowship with God. This is what he has made us for. This is our greatest good. This is why the the Westminster uh, Catechism begins with the question, what is the chief end of man? And it answers that we might glorify God and enjoy him forever. Do you see the critical link between glorifying God? A tribute to God is a way to glorify God, but then also with our enjoyment of God. This is what we have been created for. And so as we work through books like Leviticus, we want you to hear not, not... Just you're doing wrong, you're not doing good, but we want you to hear this. There is a way for you to experience communion and fellowship with God Almighty. There is a way to experience all that God has for us in and through Jesus Christ. And so we want to know and to hear how that can be done. So in order to have and to experience deeper fellowship with God, we should bring to God tributes, gratitude, servanthood, allegiance, honor. We must show and demonstrate our dependence on God, and we should be frequently asking God that he would remember his people. Now, we need to apply the realities of this to our life on a regular basis. And this is one of the reasons that we've stepped into the book of Leviticus because something that we want you guys to see is just how important it is to have rhythms in your life or rituals that we go to repeatedly over and over and over again that will then shape us as people around these realities. Rituals that that we do that remind us how good it is that we seek and ask God to remember us so that we can really understand grace and not confuse it with debt. All kinds of things 
And so that's the first reason that we need to seek to apply this every day. And the second one we heard from our reading in Hebrews today. And it's simply this. And I don't know if we think this way. Sacrifices, loved ones, are still pleasing to God. Sacrifices, offerings, are pleasing to God. Just because Jesus has come and fulfilled this, and he has, and we're going to look at that, does not mean that God is not pleased with sacrifice. The author of Hebrews told us exactly the opposite. With such sacrifices, God is pleased. This is why, as we read in the Gospels, one of the things that we're longing to hear from God is, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Enter into the joy of your master. Communion terms. It's his joy that we are entering into. We want to hear, well done. We want to offer pleasing sacrifices to God. With that said, however, we must never lose sight of and we must always, always remember that the ultimate tribute offering has already ascended unto God in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our fellowship with God has been made possible because Jesus has offered himself as the ultimate and true tribute offering to God. Any and all tribute that we offer to God is nothing more than the Spirit-empowered testimony to the perfect and true tribute offering that is Jesus Christ. We do this not because we must earn fellowship with God. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I was specifically trying to say your experience of fellowship with God. Because you don't earn fellowship with God, Jesus has done that. Jesus has offered himself as the full, perfect, pure tribute offering, and Jesus has brought about fellowship with God. It's the experience of that fellowship that we can dive deeper into through these things. So let's do that for a minute. Let's think about Jesus as the true and ultimate tribute offering to God. As a tribute to God, Jesus prepared and Jesus worked to make God known. Jesus prepared and Jesus worked to get his disciples ready, ready to spread the gospel for the ministry of the gospel. The entire life of Jesus was to God and for God. This is why we read in John 17, 1, in the upper room discourse, Jesus' final speech to his disciples before he would ultimately be led to the cross, Jesus says this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify the Son that, here's the purpose, that the Son may glorify you. Everything Jesus did was to God and for God. When we request to be remembered by God, we can do this with confidence, can't we? Because we know that the author of Hebrews tells us in chapter 7 and verse 25 that Jesus always lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is the servant of the Lord. You want to talk about servanthood? Jesus has the title, servant of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, but a few weeks ago at the end of Matthew chapter 17 and verses 24 through 27, there was that little thing about the temple tax. And we talked about how even though Jesus was the son, because he was the son, he was not obligated to pay the tax, but he was going to pay it to demonstrate allegiance to God. And so as the servant of the Lord, Jesus has demonstrated his allegiance and loyalty to God, and Jesus honors the Father in all that he does. What about dependence? Nobody has ever lived more dependently on the Father than Jesus Christ. 
Jesus did all that he did because he was first sent by God. Jesus coming, Jesus' life and ministry, Jesus' work on the cross is all dependent on him being sent by God. Jesus only did, remember, what he saw the Father doing. So the very activity of Jesus is a demonstration of his dependence on the Father because he says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus took a body, it says in Hebrews 10.5, that God the Father prepared for him. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you, God, have prepared for me. Even in his incarnation, his taking on flesh, Jesus lives completely dependent on the Father. And finally, we can see this demonstrated, Jesus' perfect and constant dependent on the Father in his continual life of prayer. In all these ways, loved ones, and so many, so many more, we see that it's Jesus who is the true and ultimate tribute offering to God, and what we're called to do is to testify to that offering and then to take ourselves and to dive ourselves deeper and deeper into the experience of the communion and fellowship that Jesus has purchased for us with God. And so as we do these things, as we offer tribute to God, we do it to experience what Jesus has already purchased for us. You cannot earn it, but you can experience it at greater and greater levels. And let me just tell you this. It is absolutely impossible. It is an absolute impossibility to experience greater communion with God and not be blessed by it. It's unthinkable. So I would simply ask us this then. Are you trading that for things here in this world? Are are you caught up and are you offering tribute, as it were, to other things? Are you trading in communion with God for lesser things? Has work become more important than offering tribute to God? Does your time, your talents, and your treasures demonstrate that? Have you traded in hobbies for the experience of communion with God? Are there things that are hindering you from offering your life and all of who you are as a tribute to God? And let me just say this. One of the clearest biblical ways that you can offer this kind of tribute to God is to pour into your local church. Jesus loves his church. Jesus died for his church. And as the greatest gift that we can receive here on this earth, Jesus has given us the church to be a part of. We are living stones being built up. And one of the greatest ways that we can offer tribute to God is to pour into the local church. I'll tell you, I I didn't grow up in the church. I thought y'all church people were crazy. Bible thumpers, weirdos, all of that. And let me just tell you this. As I have taken, and as our family has dived deeper and deeper into local church ministry, it has been the greatest blessing of our life. It's been hard. It's not always easy to follow Jesus, is it? And it's not always easy to be a part of a local church because local churches are made up of people like you and me. So it's made up of sinners and there's stuff to be dealt with. And and when you come together to serve God with a bunch of other sinners, you're going to need to learn how to reconcile and you're going to need to learn how to make peace and you're going to need to learn how to speak in such a way that the other person can hear you. And there's all of these things going on. But I'll tell you what, I have never, ever been as fulfilled as when I'm laboring to offer tribute to God by laboring in the local church. Now before we close, I want to do one more thing for us. I want us to think through 
the tribute offering and just hear it from a, maybe a little different perspective than we've heard it. When a tribute offering was given, the offering began with a part of God's creation and a gift in the form of grain, right? This was a gift of God to man. God causes the growth. We can't cause grain and stuff to grow. So, so it began with this gift from God in creation in the form of grain. And then it was taken. The grain was taken and it was altered in the hands of sinful man. All of us are sinners. So this grain, this gift of God came and then it was taken and it was altered in the hands of sinful man and it was made into a fine flour and then it was pressed and baked into a cake and then this was taken and it was offered up as a tribute to God. Offered completely as a tribute to God and then God himself takes of this and he gives to his royal priesthood the bread that would sustain their life. And as we get ready now to transition into the next part of our worship service, and as we get ready to come to the Lord's Supper, this is exactly what we see. That there was one whose body was created by God and given as a gift to man, who was then taken and the hands of sinful man transformed him. It says that Jesus' appearance was marred beyond all resemblance, who then offered himself up as a tribute offering to God Almighty. And then from that offering, God gives to us his new covenant royal priesthood, the bread of life that sustains us. All glory to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for your law, for Leviticus, for Leviticus chapter 2. Thank you for the tribute offering that we read about in your word. And thank you beyond anything that any of our words could ever describe the true and ultimate tribute offering, our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless your people. Remember your people, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.